Welcome, and thank you for joining us on Disrupt TV. My name is Marlon Afshar, Chief Digital Evangelist at Salesforce, and your co-host uh, for the next hour. We welcome you to uh, follow us on Twitter at Disrupt TV Show. Send Ray, myself, and our distinguished guests your questions on Twitter using hashtag Disrupt TV. You can also check out our videos and podcasts on Vimeo and SoundCloud. We've got over 250 guests that have been on Disrupt TV. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce my co-host, Ray Wong. He's the CEO and founder of Constellation Research. He's the best-selling author of Disrupting Digital Business. He's a regular contributor to Harvard Business Review, ZDNet, and other media outlets. And in my humble opinion, one of the best futurists to follow on Twitter, at R-W-A-N-G-0. Welcome, Ray, to Disrupt TV. Hey, thanks a lot. Live here from Toronto. Awesome to be here with my co-host, Bala Ashtar, one of the top CIO influencers in the world, one of the top CMO influencers of the world. He was a regular contributor to Huffington Post, a blogger, and an author. Uh, but we're not here to talk about ourselves. We're here to talk about what's hot in public sector, government, and what's next. So who do we have on our show today, Bala? Uh, today it's going to be all about innovation and trailblazers and change agents in government. We have an extraordinary group uh, joining us today. We'll start with Kristen uh, Silveria, Senior Process Improvement Specialist, City of Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, Kristen is working to empower a citywide culture of creative problem solving and shared leadership. At one point, she managed a city budget of over a half a billion dollars. Yes, half a billion dollars. She, she also managed citywide innovation fund program to improve operational efficiency and effectiveness. And she did such a great job that she received the medallion for uh, her service award from City of Baltimore's mayor uh, for a public service to Baltimore residents based on innovation and impro uh, process improvements. You can follow Kirsten on Twitter at K-I-R-S-T-E-N-S-I-L-V-E-R-I, sorry, V-E-I-R-A. Welcome, Kirsten, to Disrupt TV. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I like to keep it complicated with my last name. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, well, welcome. So, hey, it's so great to have you on here and uh, really want to talk about, you know, what you're doing with cities, right? So talking about not just the how, but getting to the why and how cities can use, you know, evaluation to determine whether programs should continue, how they get out there. But let's talk a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about how you got started at yeah, definitely. So um, I'm from the Florida Keys, so small town. Um, both of my grandparents are in public service. My grandpa is a building inspector and my grandma's a librarian. Um, so I grew up in a library. The joke in my family is that I'm going to be like pushing a library cart when I'm like 90, still doing public service. Um, but the, um, you know, it's funny, I came to uh, Colorado for undergraduate um, wanting to be a veterinarian and <laughs> learned very quickly that um, all of my extracurriculars, except for my coursework, were in volunteering, um, public service, looking, you know, working on political campaigns, everything but um, veterinary. So um, everyone in my family had a bet on how long it would take me to switch uh, to uh, public admin and public policy. It took about five months, um, and I found myself uh, doing, doing that work here in Colorado. Um, my first internship was here in the city of Fort Collins, so kind of full circle for me. Uh, working on urban renewal and some of our transit-oriented development. Um, let's see, went to graduate school at the University of Kansas, um, got my MPA, so kind of the quote-unquote city manager factory, so that is the, uh, <laughs> that's my long-term goal, uh, is to be a city manager. Um, made my way to Baltimore, where is where I met Andrew, uh, worked with him on lots of fun police stuff that we can get into later. Uh, and now I'm back in Fort Collins doing, uh, running a brand new program called FC Lean. It's a process improvement program that focuses on empowering employees to actually lead process improvement rather than kind of a swoop and poop of coming in, telling you what to do and leaving. So um, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. This is in your blood. So yeah. <laughs> so when you're responsible for a um, fairly large budget and you're looking to improve efficiency and you want to innovate, you want to have fun and show that there is an opportunity to be a successful change agent in the government. What advice do you have for other folks that have the same energy and passion as you, but maybe working in an organization, whether it's in government or an industry that's maybe a laggard in terms of adopting new technologies or trying to break things on purpose to find 
new ways to add value to, 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 to society. What advice do you have? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big believer in um, asking yourself the question of if your what gets you to your why, right? Because if it doesn't, uh, then your how doesn't really matter. Um, so if you're looking at a program, uh, what story are you trying to tell? So are your performance measures, um, the way that you're evaluating the services you're providing, is that giving you an introspective view to whether or not you're actually making a difference in whatever your why is? Um, and if the answer is yes, then it would be pretty clear as to whether or not you're being effective, efficient, um, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. Um, but process improvement, breaking things to make them better, doesn't matter if whatever it is you're trying to accomplish um, isn't happening with the program you're, you're running, if that makes sense. It makes sense. How did it feel to have a mayor give you an award? I don't think any of us on the panel have that, have that experience. So, oh, oh! Okay. <laughs> I'll bring my key of the city over to you next oh, time. I should have known that. Mopsy <laughs> award-winning city innovator. Sorry. They've got keys to the city. Oh, my God. What about it? <laughs> that's awesome. Well, hey, you know, that's part of this, right? I mean, you're thinking about, you know, not just, you know, thinking about the why, but you're also thinking about how do you make things fun, right? Because people have a perception that's government, it's boring, it's bureaucratic. Like, how do you inspire others and, and inject some fun back into, you know, some really important business? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one thing that, um, so I manage a couple of different ways that we're trying to infuse this work in, into the city of Fort Collins. Um, you know, it's continuous improvements in the city's DNA, but not necessarily how you do it, right? Um, and people here are kind of, um, they're kind of recovering perfectionists is a good way to put it. People say yes to a lot of things and it's, and it's really challenging to find the time to take a step back and figure out, are we doing what we're trying to accomplish in the best way? Is it fun? Um, but there are definitely people within the city of Fort Collins who are pioneering that work. Um, and it's kind of funny, so really boring stuff like code enforcement, right? Um, they're finding ways to make it fun. So the 4th of July is next week, right? And they've got this campaign going um, that is basically like, is it worth it? And they're kind of funny graphic like um, stickers that are on all these vehicles around the city. And it's like, you know, a sad puppy. And it's like, is it worth it? Fireworks are illegal. Or like somebody who's like lost a finger, which is kind of awful, but I mean, a reality, right? <laughs> and so trying to be eye-catching um, is also a component of that fun factor. So um, the private sector does a really good job of generating interest in whatever it is they're trying to do or sell. Um, government, we have always, I think, been in the camp, well, you have to be our customer. Um, and I think that's a really dangerous place to play. So we wanna make it a place where people want to be our customer. They want to be involved in the community. Um, and that's kind of what I'm trying to infuse into different different levels of the organization. That's awesome. That is that is that is terrific. So we have uh, um, our best dress award winner uh, Jeff, who's also <laughs> listening <laughs> listening to Disrupt TV. Jeff Newball, uh, he leads a security and compliance team at Socrata. The data as a service company dedicated to unleashing the power of government data to improve society. He has over 15 years of experience leading government, nonprofit, private sector organizations, and he helps government agencies now use cloud service providers through compliance. So, Jeff, uh, welcome to uh, welcome to uh, Disrupt TV as well. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Hey, thanks a lot. Oh, go, go ahead, Valerie. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Ray. So, yeah, no, so when we think about like, what's going on, tell us a little bit about how you got to what you're doing and, uh, you know, what, what, what keeps you uh, excited? So. Oh, sure. Not a problem. Thanks, Ray. So uh, my career brought me through uh, the city of Baltimore, um, where I was director of IT services. Um, Go Baltimore. Right. Th throughout that time, I was also um, director of IT for the police department and also for the Department of Transportation. Um, through that time, um, we had a company vendor uh, that we were using for our open data initiative. Uh, that company, um, of course, is Soprata. Um, and I saw the power that a, a tool such as uh, using Socrata for open data could, could do for the constituency of, of a city. Um, so after my 
time in uh, Baltimore, uh, I moved over. I, I became the IT director for a nonprofit. I tested those waters as well. And mm -hmm. then I started my own consulting business where I felt that I could use some of the knowledge that I had in the public sector to help out state and local and federal governments uh, connect with businesses. Um, so during that time, um, there was a situation where um, my services were available to assist Akrata uh, with compliance and security. And I jumped at, at, the, at, at that opportunity. It was the perfect opportunity to kind of jump into two different worlds and have that experience and be able to leverage what you know, what I've learned in the private sector and also what I've learned in the public sector and, and bring those pieces together. Um, so that's how I ended up at, at Socrata. It was, um, it was a perfect marriage. Um, and I've been able to use that to say, hey, I was once, uh, you know, a customer of your company. Uh, this is what I was looking for um, and help out with some of those ideas um, and say, hey, you know, this is what it's going to take for us to be able to uh, bring these services on premise uh, whether it's this uh, state and local organization like a police department um, like Baltimore or for the federal government um, with the different clients that we deal with. That's awesome. I love the Baltimore connection. I went to Hopkins, so that's like you're saying Balmer. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. So, Jeff, that's awesome. And, yeah, you know, we, we heard Kirsten talk about the importance of understanding the why because if that's not clear, you know, the how and the what is, is, is secondary, tertiary. Yesterday, I was, at, uh, I was in New York City at, at Bloomberg talking about, uh, you know, the future of work and the impact of emerging technologies like AI and IoT and blockchain and really how we were entering the fourth industrial revolution as defined by the World Economic Forum. And we talked a lot about culture. We talked a lot about people. We talked a lot, a lot about lean processes. And, and lastly, technology, even though it was a technology-oriented, uh, you know, consortium and summit, you have, uh, you have a reputation of, of human elements and really reflecting on how to connect people in a meaningful way as part of your leadership uh, development um, and, and outlook. Can you talk a little bit about why the, the people part is the most important part of really change and transformation in business and government? Absolutely. Um, so I'll go back to my time in Baltimore. Um, I've been pretty big on like the human element or the aspect of leading. Um, I've been in different situations where I've gone into environments where I've led up to 50 plus people to an environment where um, everyone was offboarding. <laughs> I was the only one there. Um, and I think that it's very important, the, the human element aspect of things. I, I think that it's very important to to, to, to be able to, your, to place yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, sometimes when, you know, government employees have like this stigma of, you know, hey, you know, they're, they're lazy or they've been in the same place for a very long time. But that's not always the case. Um, you have some very passionate people that work in government um, that stick around because they want to see the end result. And, you know, going into these environments, uh, one of the first things that I always do, my first 30 days, I find myself being embedded into the environment, uh, talking to my staff, talking to my stakeholders, uh, trying to get to learn their problems. Uh, you know, what, you know, the why, like Kristen mentioned, the why for, for different things that they're trying to accomplish. And, you know, I found that it's been very instrumental in helping me uh, build the teams to help us, help us become successful um, because you're not always going to need like the best technologists to get a process completed or to right. get a project done. Um, you may need someone that has uh, some influence uh, within the, with, with, within the uh, community um, and different aspects of that. So it's been, uh, it's been very key to be able to place, hey, this person knows how to write policy. Um, hmm. I can teach her or him the technical aspects of having to get that completed. I'll need this person to uh, get in front of the mayor and their communication skills have to be better. Um, they'll need to be able to present the data, uh, you know, that we need to give to the mayors or in this case, uh, police commissioners. Um, yes. So, and at the same time, you know, you also want to, you know, pardon the term, you also want to, you know, you also want to be able to disrupt, um, you know, when, when you get into these situations where you're trying to break the, the culture. Um, so, you know, if it means hiring someone that you know is going to be uh, a disruptor, um, 
and can follow uh, the detail and, and follow a process, that's also very important. But being able to, to, to lead with that element, if someone sees that you're vested and you're accountable and you're transparent um, in their outcome and you're willing to get your hands dirty as well, um, that's very important. I think that, you know, crosses a, a, that's, that, you know, that fits in more than just government, you know, that's private sector, nonprofits, anywhere you go and you're dealing with these pro projects, as long as, you know, they can see that leadership is invested in them. Um, I think this, you know, it's, it's definitely very key. Absolutely. I totally, I totally agree. And speaking no, of absolutely. another uh, trailblazer and change agent who has uh, a reputation of connecting and delivering on his promises, we have Byron Caswell, CEO and president of Regent Solutions. Um, he's a 2018 Federal 100 winner and a recognized change agent in the federal government. Byron started Regent Solutions 2014 to focus expertise garnered from intelligence, defense, federal, civil, civilian, commercial enterprise, and startup communities to help customers and partners address their most complex problems. He's got a bunch of, I'll call Navy SEAL uh, technologists and experts that they you know, uh, parachute into companies and really uh, un 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 unleash the potential that organizations have leveraging technology. You can follow Byron at R-B-C-A-S-W-E-L-L -L on Twitter. Welcome, Byron, to uh, Disrupt TV. It's great to be here, Vala. Thanks for having me. Hey, welcome hey, to the show. So, you know, you've, done a, you've been known for, you know, working across all these different organizations, trying to create that change, being a change agent. What are some lessons learned in all the different types of organizations you've been in? I think people would love to know more about how, how, you, like how you find those patterns and what some of those trends are. So it's funny because we tend to get brought in, as, as Vala was saying, where things are really, really messed up and they need you know, a high-performing team to, to come and drop and do things. And we tend to find out that technology is sort of where they, they go first. And, and that's the symptom. That's never really the problem. That human aspect of what change requires. Uh, and, and Jeff hit it really on the head of being able to, to walk to you know, the business partners or clients and say, you know, we're part of this with you. We, we want to solve this with you because you know, we believe in, in your mission. We believe in your success. Uh, that's the thing that we tend to forget as delivery consultants, as, as contractors, as, as people, even technologists that are, are trying to build software that help do these things. And it's all about that, um, that human element that if we can drive that together, if we can get that, if we can get, you know, organizations on board, if we can get bought, people bought into what the vision of change could be and why we could do this and how we could do this better to, to really drive, you know, the mission that we provide to citizens, you know, then we can do great things and we can do them, you know, faster than anybody really thinks and better and cheaper than anybody thinks. Hmm. Uh, your role as a CEO, uh, much harder than you thought? <laughs> yeah, it's insanely hard, much harder than I thought. I, I, um, I kind of, I always joke, I was like the accidental CEO. So I started this, uh, this business um, when I jumped over to the FCC to help out Dr. Bray with the whole FCC IT transformation effort. And we pulled together a bunch of cats and dogs and those, those insanely amazing consultants that wanted to work and do great things. And after about a year, um, all of them kind of looked around and said, I don't want to do this alone anymore. Can I work for you? Uh, and so I, I guess I said, sure, why not? Um, and that's really what the genesis of the whole company was. Um, now, with a bunch of really high-performing individuals, you know, there's a management challenge that's really easy. I don't need to worry about a lot of things, but there's a vision and strategy piece where the, when you can do so much stuff, how do you focus the right attention in the right place to provide you know, not only the best place for them to work, but the best place for us to go and do great things in? So that whole thing has been a hell of a ride. And, and Dr. David Bray, who's a former CIO of the FCC, you know, he moved uh, several hundred on-premise data centers to the cloud. This is maybe going back two, three years ago. So yep. really complex work. Uh, he did it in an incredible amount, in a short amount of time. Uh, he was um, the ultimate change agent in terms of being able to effectively communicate why things needed to be different. And so when you think about your ability to be a trusted advisor, how has it changed over the last five years? Has technology empowered your customers to demand more of you uh, and has the pace or the velocity of innovation such that unless you have an incredibly high performing cohesive team you're not going to be able to deliver to the ever-growing demands of your customers so it's funny there because I see a bunch of people with high performing great individual teams that fall short all the time and it's 
it's really because of that, um, that customer buy-in where you can get them feeling like you're really part of their, um, you know, part of their, their challenge, part of their solution, part of their process. And a lot of it winds up being, you know, we as, you know, enterprises, as companies, as technologists have to be able to say, you know, we not only believe this for you, but we live it, we do it, we dog food what we say. You, we, we act in the way that we, we think you should act. We use the things that we think you should use. We operate in the way that if, you ch if we can get your organization to shift in key ways towards, then you can kind of focus, you know, act like a startup, even in, you know, big Fed civilian, huge DOD, massive Intel, commercial financial, and all the way down to startups, where we work through all those sectors and doing that. So drink your own champagne. Is basically what you're, what you're advocating here. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that a lot better than dog food. Dog food. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so but, you know, oh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Go, I was actually going to talk about one of the things that you're talking about too a lot is, is really thinking about how people and technology and platforms intersect with each other. Uh, talk about that and, and, and the security background that kind of affects the way you think through a problem. Great. So um, from a you know, from a personal perspective, you know, I, I came up through the defense and intel world. So that security aspect of why we do what we do and, and the first in-doc day at, at, you know, the agency and ODNI is everyone here is a security officer, first job. The second job is to do the mission for it. So that, that sort of, to me, it's, it's, it's second nature to it. My team comes from commercial startups. Uh, security was, an, was a curse word to them for a, a long time. So from, but from a, um, you know, from a customer trust perspective, um, it is so core to how we deliver what we do and the, the products, the solutions, the, the, the architectures that we recommend. Um, we can, it, when we put you know, security and embed with platforms that can help automate and tie together things, um, that's where the ability of people to do people kind of work instead of computer and computer type work uh, and really help them change um, the way that they operate with and uh, raise them, you know, raise their, um, their their level of ability to to drive decisions from core information from it, and that's kind of core to why we think the way we do. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. This, that doesn't surprise me why your company continues to grow and be successful. Our, 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 it's my pleasure to introduce uh, Andrew Nevis, Senior Principal, uh, Subject Matter Expert, Trusted Advisor at ASRC Federal. Andrew is uh, universally known as a disruptor and change agent. Um, he's one of the most generous people on social media and, and a connector. He, does, he goes out of his way to make sure that change agents connect and learn from each other. So he's a community builder, uh, one of the, an incredible follow on Twitter. He provides leadership, trusted advisory and oversight. He's done this for over two decades, so obviously he started when he was five. <laughs> he hasn't aged in the whole time I've known him. And he's led organizations through massive transformations. Uh, he's currently at ASRC Federal. He supports the Federal Communications Commission Chief Information Officer for IT Transformation. He has served as command staff and CIO of the Baltimore uh, City Police Department. I'm sure we'll have great stories uh, that he'll share with us. Attack Officer at New Jersey Transit Police, CIO of Edison, uh, New Jersey. One of the most social CIOs, that's when I first met. Andrew, and we met on Twitter and then certainly in, in person at Ray's amazing conferences, Constellation uh, events. You can follow him on Twitter. He's a great follower at Andrew, N-E-B-U-S. Welcome, Andrew, to uh, Disrupt TV. Thanks, Paula. Thanks, Ray, for having us. I really uh, uh, love this uh, particular show because these are the people I would hang out with if I just could hang out with anybody. So it's really great. Getting along with That's <laughs> nice. barbecue, barbecue at Andrew's place. Well, well, we go. Go. <laughs> hey, come on over. <laughs> so, but hey, you know, look, it's interesting, right? You've worked in state, local, and federal, right? You've been in all these places. And the question is really about, you know, what, what do you do? Like when you, you know, look at how you learn all the lessons learned from the way different types of agencies have worked and different sizes of agencies. Yeah, I think for me, uh, it kind of goes back to what Jeff was saying. I, I start by thinking, you know, probably about 30% of the people here want to do things exactly how they've always done it, don't want any change. Uh, about 30% really want to change badly. Uh, and the other 30, yeah, they can be convinced. They can dra be dragged along. And then 10%, I don't know, they're probably about retired. Um, that's with those universally private sector or public. Um, so what I find is trying to figure out those people who want that something new and to change it. Uh, so going back to my days at Baltimore, the first week I was there, guy comes to me, he's been at the organization for about 14, 15 years, and he says, I hate change. 
So, welcome. I sit him down. I'm like, whoa. I know you booked me up and uh, I'm here to do some change. I said, but really, it's, we're changing things that need to change. We're not going to change the things you actually enjoy, the things that bring you enjoyment at work and what drives you. What drove this person really was he could directly connect with his people, in this case, the officers, and get them what they needed. He really liked that hands-on, that really important mission, that drive. Um, so he actually left uh, BPD before I did because he found another opportunity at a very different place, actually Hopkins. And he said, you know, I'm able to connect more with these people and do these and do these techniques so I can change this about myself. Um, so speaking to that person about what drives them, uh, their, their actual beliefs and mission, and then getting them to that right place helps me time and time again. At Transit, uh, I had a position for uh, someone to assist with um, officers getting instead of technology we were deploying. We were doing a lot of mobile, and this is when mobile was still kind of neat and new. Uh, so I brought on an officer who had applied, and his resume looked great. So he turned to me one day and said, well, why did you pick me? I said, what do you mean? I had good credentials, whatever. You were a, a school teacher in the past. It really seems like you can connect with people. He's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, why? You didn't want it? He's like, no, I wanted to complain. I didn't get an assignment. I didn't put in for so he ended up having a great time because he learned that he could change so much by just doing his little pieces and helping people use what they already had. And then figuring out the, um, the real problems, the sort of last 10% of transformation that's super hard and focusing on that. Uh, yeah. So finding people really want to do that and letting them do it. Yeah. You know, following your career as a CIO and what you're doing now, you, you, you're a critical thinker, you're, you're highly analytical, you focus on foundational excellence because until unless you you know you can clean up your backyard and show uh, you know uh, reliability sustainability you don't get the permission to innovate and live on the edge so you've led in terms of making sure security mobility as you mentioned and data uh, and analytics were used to accelerate transformation and really improve the user experience in the organizations that you led so what's next? Okay, so you've, you've led data, you've led mobility, you've led options, and security, cybersecurity will always be a you know, foundational element. But as you think about companies that are leaning on you now to really survive in the fourth industrial revolution, what technologies do you advise them to not only put on their radar, but start implementing? Yeah, so I, as you said, yeah, there's all the foundational stuff, all the excellent platforms and the things that get us there. But what's really coming on next is artificial intelligence, right? So we look at uh, the next five, 10 years, mm -hmm. uh, and you look where about 70, 75% of organizations say we're doing some AI, we're doing some machine learning, some deep learning, stuff like that. Uh, but they're really not investing too much. They're, I think they're investing on the most, it's like less than 5 million or so. Uh, that's not really a lot of money to put into something that's gonna be so foundational. Just like mobile was 10 years ago where that was, oh, wow, we have to do this. Now it's just so out there and so beautiful. You don't even think about it. You put a platform out, it's automatically going to work on mobile, right? You don't, you don't say, well, how do we have to do this different? AI is going to be the same way. These underlying capabilities are going to feed into almost everything we do from data as a service platforms that are going to help us find the data that's either unique, uh, things that are going to help us find fraud, waste, and abuse in government, in insurance, and industry, to cognitive computing where it helps us unlock the information that we know is there somewhere but we're not sure where right now companies email 100 people and say hey does anyone have information about this and wait for the response i've seen projects using uh, ai technologies that consumes all the materials in all different wacky formats builds an amazing corpus and you can get that answer on the fly now and that can be done via computer interface or a mobile device or uh, ar or virtual reality so that's really going to transform us in the next 10 years and unlock so much knowledge that lets us really build that fourth generation. Andrew, you've been influencing federal CIOs. Ray and I, a couple of weeks ago, were at the Federal CIO Council with 15, 20 of uh, the brightest uh, um, CIOs leading from Department of Energy to NASA to you know, GSA and so on and so forth. And the topic of the entire workshop was impact of AI yeah. on future of work, new business model innovation, modernization of existing processes. So you're spot on. And um, the highest folks in the federal government right now are thinking exactly that. How do we leverage AI to do a better yeah, job? I think, it's gonna, I think it's changed everybody's job in some way, many in huge ways, and really unlocked the potential. If we don't do that, we're not gonna have the manpower 
We're not going to have the bright minds to focus on what they need to focus on. They're going to be too busy doing day-to-day -day stuff. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. And we've got an, we were looking at it from a view of augmented humanity, trying to figure out where we apply automation, where we apply human judgment. And I think that was a very important thing. But now we get to try something different, something new on the show. We're going to go lightning round. We got you guys all here. We have the <laughs> smartest folks. We got to figure out how to get your views on different things. And so if you can, we're going to jump into the first question is really about why do you serve? Where did that passion, where did that calling come from in terms of serving governments in the way you do? Um, and yeah, let's just start with, uh, I don't know, let's start with Byron, go ahead. I like solving problems. Um, I like solving really hard problems, really big problems. And the bigger and harder problems tend to be found in government right now. Uh, private industries can do things sort of atomically, but for citizens and worldwide, uh, yeah, this is the place to be if that's what, if that's what drives you. Wow, looking at passion. Kirsten. Yeah, similar. Um, you know, I think governments have a really large role in creating the environment in which people live. And I think, um, you know, if you have a really well-run organization that's trying new things and um, serving its customers and engaging people um, in creative ways, um, you can make some really power powerful change in a community. And so that's why I come to work every day. Wow. On the impact side, Jeff, go ahead. Um, same thing. Um, and I've first I've seen firsthand how, you know, government can help people. Um, I've seen firsthand how government can help someone get a meal, um, how government can help someone obtain the medicine that they need, um, how government can help someone acquire shelter in times of need. So um, if I can do anything to be part of that and have a hand in that, um, it's always it, it gives me a reason to, to go to work. It doesn't feel like work to me. Wow, Andrew. Yeah, so uh, I sold software to the government. That's how I'm a, a government uh, one. <laughs> I sold email to the city of Edison. I went in to go set it up, and they said, "Wow, you're really smart." This guy, uh, Art Stefelli, was the chief of staff there. He said, "You should work here." I was 21, so I said, "Hey, why not?" Uh, I said, wow. Yeah. yeah, so I spent a decade in the fifth largest city in New Jersey, changing almost everything about how it worked. Uh, from the technology underlying, to radio infrastructure for policing, to how we hired police. Uh, so it really showed me that at government, if you want to, um, you can touch almost anything and change almost anything. That's really amazing. Uh, there's wow. not organizations outside of startups that let you do that. Government does. Wow. And you know, you guys have mentioned something really important, right? It's about impactful change agents. It's about empowering. It's about enabling. And it's about uh, a whole bunch of other things that actually drive you to do that. We have apparently one of the federal CIOs trying to get a hold of Ray. So <laughs> must be watching. And uh, but so one thing I've noticed um, with uh, with all that's in the DNA of all trailblazers and change agents is that uh, they, they, uh, they've learned the way to learn. Uh, they, they're, they're lifelong students um, and they challenge assumptions starting with their own. So, so they have a beginner's mindset. Um, so in the spirit of knowing that all of you are continuously learning, I'm sure just like Ray and I continuously making original mistakes, <laughs> you know, learn from it not to, and try not to repeat. <laughs> uh, tell me about something you learned recently, uh, something that su surprised you. And we'll go in the same order. And I'm sure, uh, you know, starting with you, Byron, as CEO, I, 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 at, at the rate you're moving, at the speed that you're moving, I'm sure you're making mistakes all the time. But so what are, what are some of the learnings that, that come from the job uh, and the responsibilities you have? One of the things that, that surprises me is how often I'm surprised. And I, I really mean that every day that I'm not, it's a pretty terrible day. It means that nothing really interesting happened, nothing, everything was, was kind of boring. I was just sort of turning the crank. So I get surprised all the time with, uh, you know, the way that businesses can operate, with the way that the things that clients want to do, with what we can do as a collective, not only, you know, in the, com in the company, but, you know, with Andrew, with Jeff, with the folks that, with Kristen, with the folks that we work together. So it's, it's a great time. Yeah, so um, in my work in Fort Collins, it's a little different than what I was doing in Baltimore. So I do a lot of work with people from all levels of the organization. So helping them problem solve and then hoping that when I leave, they can continue to do that work without me. So working yourself out of a job, right? Um, but what's been 
kind of interesting is this, this concept, I'm a very analytical person, and so this concept that the right answer is not enough um, <laughs> has, been, has been challenging. So, you know, people ask you to come in and to work on a problem, um, but there is so much relationship building and so much change management that has to happen to get people to the solution that they kind of already knew existed. Um, throughout my time at Socrata, um, when we uh, started, uh, we obtained a FedRAMP audit uh, authorization. And one of the things that I've learned from talking to different customers is that uh, they want to become the silo busters of their organizations. So they want to be able to talk to different organizations, but they don't have the means to share their data, uh, to, 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 to share them in real time and, and be able to make actionable uh, decisions based off of that information. Um, so I'm really excited about the direction uh, that the company that I'm working for is going, going in right now. We're able to uh, help these companies, you know, bust these, or these organizations, these government organizations, bust these silos and make like their internal data, uh, make open data the product or the byproduct of their internal data. And that's something that I'm very proud of. Every day, you know, I, I feel like I come to a place with superheroes and we're empowering government employees uh, to be heroes of, 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 their, of, their, of, their, of their organization. So it's, it's a great feeling. There's no question Jeff is loving what he's doing. So that's, that's awesome. You can, that. you can feel that through the screen. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm surprised Jeff is always loves what he does. I've actually I've never known him not to like what he's doing, which is amazing. Um, that's a superpower. Being able to find work that brings you joy is a superpower. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And for me, it's uh, I've met so many people, and in the past year, I've been meeting more and more agencies. And wherever I go, I find the same people who have that passion and that that fervor. In in no matter what time you are in government. You have these people who are superheroes that don't get out and don't tell the story enough to say amazing things are happening, we're working really hard and we're going. And that continues to surprise me all the time. So do we have to be better marketeers? Are all you chief marketing officers of the organizations you represent? Because it sounds like, yes, there's amazing work that's happening in pockets in the government, but overall, do we need to all work better to improve the perception of the real innovation that's happening inside government. I, I think so, yes. Yeah, I, I, all the time I talk to people, they're shocked about how we do things, what we're doing, how we're building, how we're communicating, you know, what the CIO council is doing to different agencies, local government. I see incubators everywhere doing really different things. And then companies like Socrata empowering them to do it so that they don't have to figure out how to build a data warehouse. They just load the data in the platform and go. Uh, People like Byron enabling you to select two, three, four stacks, wire them together and go, uh, really makes government about the people and the change. And that's where really exciting things happen. It's not like, oh, great, we built a new uh, uh, Docker image. It's really cool. No, it's, it's that end. And telling that story, so important. No, that's amazing. So, so we got superheroes, change agents. You guys are all in place. Um, I'm gonna ask you something about change. Who is, and when, who have you worked with that totally changed your thinking on something? You walked in with the framework, you walked in with this model, you thought you knew all the answers, and then bam, someone came back and said, hey, I never would have thought about it this way. Did that ever happen to any of you guys wanna jump in? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so, so seriously though, I mean, we work with some amazing folks. You mentioned Dr. David Bray earlier, you know, work with Karen Evans, former GSA administrator, Mark oh, yeah. All those folks are, are so, so crazy. Um, one of the guys that actually works, works with me now, uh, Dustin Lam, is one of the people that has cha totally changed my way about how to do things. I think you guys have, you, Ray, and, and Vala have definitely met him before uh, because, it, well, A, he's a little bit crazy, um, a lot yes. of it, if I'm honest. Uh, but B, it's, it's, he's sort of owns that, you know, we're gonna, be, we're gonna be the change that we wanna see. We're gonna try and do things that no one can do. We're gonna, we're gonna deliver, you know, based through, through any odds whatsoever. And the way that you can go about doing that, especially in government, like nobody really saw that until I could, I, I couldn't even see that until I saw the evidence of that through him. So it was a great thing for, for me personally. Yeah, for me, I'll go a little. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, um, when I was uh, in Baltimore, I did a lot of our public engagement around the budget process, um, which if you're at all familiar with Baltimore's budget, 
it's in the hole pretty much all the time. So yes. engagement is engagement's really challenging. Um, and you know, I was, I'm not going to name the person, but, um, our Baltimore folks here know who this person is. I was at a public meeting, um, and this individual got up and they, you know, they said their piece about, and about how, you know, we were misusing money and, um, how, you know, we were underperforming and all this stuff. And what was really challenging for me was the specific topic. Um, it was one where we actually were shining and we were doing really good work um, and money was being spent really well and we were innovating. And so having seen that, right, and knowing that we were, we were doing the work, but that story wasn't landing in the community, right? Um, there, was, there was something missing. So that individual, the social capital that that person had, much more powerful than, you know, a press release on a website. Mm -hmm. And so what's the disconnect there? Um, and it's our job as, as um, public servants to make sure we're telling that story. And so that really impassioned, uh, impassioned me to say, okay, well, let's take a big step back. And who cares what we're doing if we don't know how to talk about it? Wow. That's right. awesome. Actually, one of my classmates is Bill Henry, so you might know him. Oh, I love <laughs> him. Yeah, great guy. He's yeah. very good at trivia. Watch out. Yes, he does that to you a lot. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, for me, uh, actually, really early on in my career, uh, I encountered a CFO, and uh, I love finance people now. Kirsten, you're amazing. Now loves finance. Manages the budget always, always. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> So I was 21 when I started, right? So I'm just like, oh, let me go change some stuff. Um, and I met this guy, Ross Bobel. Amazing heart. He had been in government 20 years. He knew where all the monies were, how you could spend it, how you could transfer it, everything. Um, so right away, he had brushed off any change. Any people wanted to change the organization, move things around, change processes, stuff like that. Um, and he took me under his wing. He really spent a lot of time with me. Um, and it's one person who changed my perspective of how government runs, uh, what being fiscally responsible means in government different than private sector, and how to move those levers. It's carried across my entire career, um, and he really was my first greatest mentor. Yeah, and, and, and in my case, um, uh, one of the first, uh, well, one of, my, one of the biggest mentors that I've had through my, throughout my career, and Andrew's familiar with him, he used to be our former boss. Um, Chris Donges, who was the former CIO for DC Public Libraries and then Baltimore. Um, I remember working for him and, and meeting him and, I, and just being nervous my first day, like, oh man, I just really wanna make this work. And I got thrown into uh, to this project. And one of the things, uh, you know, one of the things that he mentioned to me, and I brought this up earlier was, um, you know, I, you know, you have to be able to communicate with people first. Um, that's been huge um, for for my career. Uh, being able to articulate a problem um, is the biggest uh, is one of the biggest things that you can have as a technologist. Um, it's followed me throughout my career when I hire someone. Uh, my interactions day to day, uh, for instance, you know Byron and Andrew are a great example of that. Um, you know when you meet those guys, you know they're. You know, they're individuals that can articulate a problem, lay out a solution. And that helps me out right now with my day-to-day -day, um, with consulting. It's not with consulting with com security and compliance as well. It's not necessarily a black and white thing where you're dealing with organizations. If you want to help them with a solution when it comes to compliance, you don't need to, uh, you don't, you don't need to uh, invent, invent a whole new process. You need to get to learn that organization, talk to them, talk about what they're doing, and marry those processes to compliance, to controls. And it's been very helpful, especially in agile environments uh, like Socrata. Um, so just being able to communicate has been a huge, huge thing. Wow, Chris was wonderful. He was always advocating for access uh, to the internet to everyone, uh, him and also uh, one of our good friends uh, who is uh, Miguel Gamino. Uh, has always been looking at getting access to the right areas uh, there and across, definitely some pioneers there. Uh, cool, that's wonderful. It's, it's been great to hear that those, those areas. You know, as I listen to you guys, uh, and, and it was Steve Jobs who said the most powerful person in business is the storyteller. So clearly, you, you all have the ability to articulate not only the problem statement, but connect with people so that they feel they're part of the solution. But I also think about security and compliance and budget and government and complexities and processes and all those eyes on you. 
this tremendous amount of pressure and stress that must come with the job. You can't tell because you guys have been smiling, smiling for the last 45 minutes and you know, it's been such a wonderful conversation. But tell me about how do you relieve stress? What do you do to maintain that mindfulness where you can connect with people in a non-threatening way, but at the same time change organizations and have them move forward? How do you do it? How do you, how do you de-stress? I know Ray travels the world. That's how he, he distresses. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for the rest of us who are on land. No, I'm, I'm fending off housekeeping at the moment. That's a whole different story. <laughs> I'm past my uh, checkout. I'm, I'm, from, I'm from New York, New Jersey, so it's all about food. I enjoy breaking bread, really enjoying you know, uh, uh, getting a drink, talking to people, and talking not about the day or the woes or the, the emails or the reporters calling. It's, it's more just, hey, Vala, how are you doing? What's going on? How, how, how's your family? Uh, and that really helps me de-stress. The other thing I do is I have a, a marathon commute. Um, so I, about half the time I have the, all audio off and I just have nothing to silence and it's just my own mind churning and thinking. Going back to five years ago, the random conversation I had and it, it brings it forward to me and it really makes me um, think about where I am, the entire journey uh, uh, and the amazing place I am. Every day is my best day. Uh, it's the culmination of every day I've had before it. Uh, so that that helps me unwind and I love, that. I love that sense of gratitude. I love that. That's that's terrific advice. Anyone else? Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, so I love to be outside. I'm very active. Um, mm -hmm. So I run, I bike, I swim, I do all those things, um, hence living in Colorado. Uh, but I, um, I'm actually a yoga instructor. So it's kind of funny because you would think that that would not be relaxing, uh, but I'm a total extrovert and I love connecting with people. And so it's an opportunity to connect with people in a different way um, and to see people grow and also to have like my own practice. And that's kind of my mindfulness time. Oh, that's very cool. I know Byron likes to eat. I sat next to him and he cleared the plate pretty quickly, but I don't know if that's a, that's a way for him to de-stress or it's just- Thanks for throwing me under that bus, Paula. I, I was really- <laughs> He's like, actually, I hate food. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't actually say that. Um, food, yeah, food, friends, and family. I mean, that's that's sort of the, the basic- oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Having that network of, of just- the three Fs. Choose to, to be around and you can bounce ideas off of and you can just sort of be who you are um, with is, is amazing for it. Uh, and, and then, I mean, there's also like that, as Kristen said, you know, getting on a running, going into the gym, getting to that edge of exhaustion, feeling like you've accomplished something. Um, you can kind of sort of build you up to that endorphin place of delivering something amazing, uh, amazing, but you know, every day you can do that. So, so that to me, those are the kind of ways for, for me. I love that food, family, friends. Absolutely. With me, right. Right. And with me, you wouldn't be able to tell by my physique, but, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, an, I'm an avid runner. Um, I, I love to run. Uh, but the, the biggest thing is uh, definitely my family. Um, that's the biggest organization uh, that I'm running right now or trying to run. I'm the vice president. My wife is the president. And I have uh, two wonderful young daughters. That was, that was a good decision to put her in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, smart man. Well, no, I have two wonderful young daughters that, um, that take all the problems away uh, when I get home. So... Um, that keeps me focused. Uh, that lets me uh, take all the problems away. Um, they're they're getting to the point. One, one already calls me daddy, and the other one is starting to. So um, it's great. That's that's amazing. It's good. And congrats on your promotion. After 28 years, I'm only an associate director at my oh, house. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> oh my! You're doing something really right. So. <laughs> I just try to maintain veto. That's how I run. <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> well, hey, we're going to jump into lightning round. I mean, it's almost like word association. And uh, we'll, we'll start with a couple of things. Um, best conference. Um, so we'll just go down the line. Best conference so far in the last 12 months. Uh, and please don't use our conference as an example. Best conference. Andrew, go ahead. Uh, besides George, yeah, I really like the MuleSoft conference. I was there uh, uh, probably a month, month and a half ago. The people were really great. It was still small. Uh, Salesforce has bought them, so I'm sure it's going to get much larger and much more in tune. But the people were really passionate. All the vendors were like 10, 12 people. They were really into it. They could talk for days about what they were doing and really changing things. So that 
was a really great conference for me. MuleSoft Connect, API is going to run the world. All right, Byron, you're in. Well, unfortunately, Andrew just took that answer because I was there with him on stage, <laughs> and that would have been my answer. So if I got to switch it up, I'll, um, I'll do Octane this year. You know, we had uh, President, oh, Obama, yeah. President Obama speak uh, at the closing keynote for it, but it's also a great education conference. Everyone there is passionate about the you know, identity and security and access for, and, and API access stuff. So it's a, it's, a wonderful place to, it's a wonderful place to get, and a lot of cool things happen. Octane Cloud Identity. All right, Kirsten. Uh, so staying true to my roots, uh, Colorado City County Managers Association, it's up in the mountains, can't get better than that. Uh, everyone's just like nerding out over data and management <laughs> over like a year. It's awesome. Wait, you, gotta go. <laughs> you need speakers for next year because we can all come. Yeah, you, you, know, you can't get better. It's awesome. <laughs> Craft beer, Aspen, a awesome. and data geeks all unite. <laughs> all right. I love nerding out. I love that. It's a great <laughs> Aubrey's like, thumbs up on Colorado. Jeff, on your end. Of course, my answer is going to be uh, Socratic Connect. It was an amazing time to meet with some of our current clients. Um, Socrata was just acquired by uh, Tider Technologies. So we're the data and insights divisions of, of Tider Technologies. And uh, at Connect, um, there was an amazing uh, keynote by Trisha Wang, and I was able to connect with her and learn a little bit more about her and kick data. So it was an amazing time. I just saw Trisha on Friday, <laughs> last awesome. Friday in New awesome. York City. So yeah, it's just awesome. Um, oh, cool. All right. And next one, best conference swag. <laughs> Mule had uh, a Lego that was pretty cool. Um, you know, my dad loves swag, he steals everything I get, so it doesn't matter if it's a shirt, it's a hat, socks, anything. Um, so I think for him, he likes the shirts the most. I see him wearing the shirts, so that's he's fun. got the shirts. Kirsten, best conference flag. Um, so I love books <laughs> and oh, white yeah. papers, and you got to hit up the federal government tables, they have like the best stuff. <laughs> you like white papers, otherwise, they don't have anything. Don't go, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, on your end. The fanny packs, the fanny packs that uh, we had. Fanny packs? It was, was an 80s theme, so we had some fanny packs. We also had some like washable tattoos, but they didn't really wash off. So you saw people walking around in the second day. I don't know what that was about. Um, but, yeah. Spike, they're not washable anymore. <laughs> Fire on your end. I love my box socks. The box oh, socks, yeah. yes. Box. Very cool. Well, okay, so speaking of books, um, a book that you would recommend uh, to a friend, and uh, Ray, I want to start with you. I, I would love to know what you, what's the, not the last one you read, but a book that you would recommend, and it can't be your own. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really, I really love this book, Subscribe, that Tan had in place. And, and part of the reason I like Subscribe is because it's talking about brand new business models. And he's been doing this. He's been evangelizing this for like 10 years, right? He's out there. We're gonna, everything's going to be a subscription. You know? your, your car is going to be a subscription. Yeah, your, your house is a subscription, right? He's going out like crazy. Like 10 years ago, we're like, what the hell is he talking about? Well, we finally put it all into a book and the book is amazing, right? And it just helps you rethink and, and reframe what's possible, right? You get toasts as a service, you could get showers as a service. I mean, all these things start popping up and then you start wondering, okay, what can I do to actually change it? So that, that's why I like the book. But I have lots of great books. Whitney Johnson's book is great. I've had a great, I mean, lots of stuff has been coming through my thing and I finally had a chance to read books, but now I got to stop again because I have to write mine this summer, so. Yeah, oh, nice. We all look forward to that. Whitney oh, Johnson's How to Build an A-Team is a great book. Yes, um, wonderful. You know, Tom Peters is going to be on our show in a couple of weeks. Uh, Excellence dividend. I mean, you know, just flip to any page, just at random. <laughs> and it's like spin the globe with this book. It's, it, it is it's just amazing. You can read it backwards. You can just go to any spot. It's, it's just full of insights. How to Measure Your Life by Craig Christensen is, is, is a tremendous book. Um, anyway, we could talk books for the next <laughs> hour. So we'll go Yes. What I give most is uh, Jobs Burnoffs, Writing Without Bullshit. Uh, it's about empowering your career, but I read it, and not only does it teach you how to write better and more effectively, but it, it, it makes you think like, okay, I got to think of the other person more first. So it's a really amazing book. I've given mm -hmm. it to five or ten people. It's just great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, um, or, or, or yeah, so Switch, How to Change When Change is Hard. That's a really excellent book. It's like the backbone of all the 
a curriculum that I've built for the city of Fort Collins. Um, awesome book, read it like 10 times. And then for the love of cities. So if you haven't read that, it is like the Bible of local government. It's amazing. It's really an awesome book. Yeah. All right. It's for the love of cities. Peter Kageyama, right? Pa yep. Peter Kageyama yeah. or yeah. something like that? Peter Kijama. Yeah. Kijama. That's it. I, I yeah. remember seeing that. That's wonderful. So yeah. for me, as a startup CEO, I like, um, I mean, one of the best, best ones that I found is The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Uh, ben mm -hmm. Horowitz's book there. Just, it's, it's oh, great. Yeah. For, awesome. Uh, growing sort of in that, in that way that we want to, we're trying to go through. Terrific. Jeff? Uh, for me, is um, weapons of math destruction. Um, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, data, big data, everyone's using big data. I think that you really have to, analyze uh, the, uh, the book really does a really good job of pointing out um, what happens when that's used incorrectly. Um, do you categorize a whole group um, because of, you know, a, a zip code? Um, and, yeah. you know, it definitely talks to some of the things that people are struggling with right now with uh, diversity and inclusion um, and ways not to do that. Um, but that's a pretty good, pretty good one for me as well. And, and, and do any of you read fiction? Does anybody like a, you know, a Dan Brown? <laughs> yeah. Actually, we're, we're living fiction at the moment. Uh, <laughs> it's all so Bitcoin, blockchain, I mean, no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the last fiction I read, really. It's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> we're living it. But hey, back to your point, Jeff. Kathy O'Neill, that is awesome. I mean, that that is a wonderful book. Actually, I got to track her down because I might want to have her at my conference. But if, you have, if you've talked to her, let me know. I'm going to track her down. Kristen, actually, we had Chip, I think, or Dan. Uh oh, I'm in trouble. I can't remember who we had. I think we had Dan Heath at our conference. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. He yes. was fun. He was really good. Uh, they did some great stuff. So this is awesome. Um, well, hey, we're going to do some quick last questions, uh, really, um, things that are in the news. Hopefully, if it gets you into trouble, just say pass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our job is not to get in trouble. But scooter startups, good or bad? Andrew. Yeah. I think generally good. So I have some problem with the... Uh, uh, Throw the scooter in a tree and go look for it. <laughs> a little bit. So the, the weird thing about what they're doing is they're they're paying people to pick them up and charge them. So I have a little trouble with that sort of model mm -hmm. of not having employees, but doing peer to peer like that. Uh, but overall, it's about getting people where they need to go that last mile of it without planning it out. So it's really a more agile approach to transportation. I love it. Cool, Jeff. Scooter startups, good or bad? I think they're great. Well, great when I'm not commuting. Um, but other <laughs> than that. <laughs> I like they're 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 they they're so fast and you're like what wait a minute um so I've had a couple of cl close calls but um I echo what uh, Andrew said I, I think they're they're good they're good w worse than Dutch or Danish bicyclists <laughs> oh my goodness I can see them coming a little bit uh, <laughs> just kidding I don't want to get in trouble Byron good or bad <laughs> uh, love the idea hate the execution uh, riding those things on sidewalks. Gets people like as Jeff was saying, kind of dangerous. At least for Danish bicyclists, got the little bell. <laughs> well, we need a, we need to like customize like horns. Kirsten, good or bad? So I'll pull out uh, the budget, the budget thing. I am not convinced <laughs> that this is sustainable, um, <laughs> but I think we should try it and we should see how it goes. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, my son is my son is eight years old. In eight to nine years, he's gonna want to drive around with his friends. Um, do I have to worry about him getting his license or will autonomous cars just uh, take care of the, any worry that a parent has like mine, thinking about a 16 year old driving a car? I, I think we're probably about 15 to 20 for the, the people to get rid of their old cars and really cycle through. Uh, but I think it's gonna happen much faster than we think. We're gonna see a larger population just take over of these very, very quickly. It's, it's, it's almost at that tipping point now. Okay. Anyone else? You're going to have to deal with your son's getting. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> the hard truth. So yeah. a three-point turn, that won't be automated. I mean, I, 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 will he have an easier time getting a license or no? Do you still have to go through? <laughs> I mean, with the assistive technologies right now, you, there's, it's an easier time getting a license, except that you usually evaluate it on an older car that yeah. doesn't have those, so they can actually measure if you can do a lot of the maneuvers there. I don't think that's gonna change anytime soon, nor do I really want it to change anytime soon. You'd like to have Good that point. full grounding, and then you know what? I don't have to parallel park again. Great, well, don't really care. <laughs> Good point. Good point. 
All right. Um, my, uh, our, we are just about to end, but um, uh, who are your mentors? Can you, can you can by name or just, you know, give, give us a sense of where you stay teachable. Where do you go to learn? Who are the folks that help you stay current today? Um, and, and, you know, where, for me, for example, anybody who knows me, Twitter is my personal learning network. My inbound stream is constant education from people, places, organizations. So that's how I stay teachable. Uh, and then, of course, I hang out with folks like Ray and yourselves. <laughs> but, <laughs> we hang out with you guys. Ray, we should get three university credits for this show. Just, you know, I mean, but, but you know, we do about 50 of them a year. So I think this is continuing education for the CISSP. So, uh, uh, you know, everyone put in for it. I, I'll <laughs> it. <laughs> um, uh, for me, though, my Twitter stream obviously is, is a huge place to learn. I actually have different lists for really listening to different people and different mm -hmm. ideas and people think differently uh, yeah. than I would naturally. Um, so that's huge for me. And I also, you know, I, I do a, a number of, of DC conferences, which is really great because there's just so many people that come into DC and learn. But as far as mentors go, um, wow, that's a, a, a really hard one. I, I just listen to so many people at so many different things. I have You're this, a networker and a connector. So I think yeah. you have a number of folks that influence. Yeah, but I think, you know, a person who makes me think every day is, is the guy who sits close to me, um, this guy, Patrick Newcomb. Uh, he was a, 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 a pipe fitter, then he joined the Army, infantry, uh, then he did, worked at the Police Foundation, looking at uh, a policing data, and I still learn from him almost every day, just listening to him and his ideas, and uh, I'd say the, the animated disagreements we have sometimes about how to take something on, I learn every day from him. He's an amazing mentor. Terrific. Jeff? Um, I'm, I'm with Andrew as well. Um, you know, I... I learn from my, my colleagues every day. Um, uh, my, my wife, she's actually a, 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 a PhD in organizational development. Uh, she teaches me every day. Um, we get to have really good conversations. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, diversity and inclusion as well. You know, she's responsible uh, for doing that for the federal government. Um, I learned from, you know, folks like Andrew and Byron um, you know, folks like Kirsten as well, um, at work, um, you know, I learn every single day, um, you know, I learn something new about, you know, the passion that, you know, developers have, uh, our, you know, our, our security and compliance team, um, you know, it really helps me, uh, definitely stay grounded and Patrick as well, you know, I'm, I know Patrick also, he's an, he's an awesome, awesome guy. And, uh, just throughout, throughout my career, you know, I, I still learn from, you know, individuals that I've served together in government, so. Terrific answer, and now we know why you're vice president at home. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, lightning round. Byron, Kirsten, who else? Any mentors on your end? Um, so I like to keep one foot in academia and one foot in the real world. So um, my, um, one of my professors from undergraduate is a huge mentor to me. She's kind of, um, she's doing some really awesome work with like the environment and how we measure our impact on the environment. And I am by no means a scientist, um, like not can, can even invited her? to those. <laughs> um, but the, it's really interesting to see the work that she's doing and just how she's inspiring young people to go into cool. public service. What's her name? Her name is uh, Dr. Susan Opp. She actually just uh, came out with a book um, about kind of how do you measure this stuff in local government? How do you measure the impact of environmental programs on local government? Yeah. Sure. Shout out to Dr. Opp. Byron, on your end. Yeah. yeah so, I, I mean, I've, I've mentioned a few of them earlier, like Dr. Bray, uh, you know, Martha David Johnson. Bray. Yeah, David Bray, Martha Johnson. Uh, there's a guy named Tony Summerlin, who's he's been a great mentor of yeah. mine. Uh, and also, I mean, from like in the same of your inbound stream on Twitter side, it's, it's my inbound stream on the client. I mean, my team worked on like 90 different customers last year oh, yeah. uh, between the 10 of us. Uh, so so I, I learned something new every day from all of them. And that's kind of, you know, we're seeing wildly different spaces. We're seeing wildly different problem sets. And we're always sort of been taking and learning from that side, that kind of thing. That's well, awesome. Hey. Thank you so much for being on the show. Wrapped up the lightning round. I mean, this is amazing. Kirsten Silveria, Jeff Newball, uh, Byron Coswell, Andrew Nevis, and of course, um, wonderful conversation. Thanks a lot for being on the show. And of course, this is episode number one, one, one. Can you believe that? <laughs> Make your wish, everyone. No, you guys were terrific. <laughs> Thanks. Hopefully you'll come back. We learned a ton. 
Have a great. Yeah, it's a great format. format. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for helping us test out this new format. So it's been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So welcome Thank to you. alumni. Wow, we are talking episode 112, Vala. This is gonna be crazy. Who do we have? I think we got a healthcare episode coming up. Uh, what's new? So uh, again, we're gonna uh, apply the same format next week uh, because again, we wanna get as much engagement as possible packed in that one hour that we have. So healthcare is the theme and we have one of the top uh, social CIOs in healthcare in the world, David Chow. Vice President, CIO, and CDO, Chief Digital Officer at Children's Mercy, Kansas City. We have Samuel Aronson, Executive Director of Information Technologies, Partners Healthcare, Personalized Medicine, and Wes Wright, CTO at Impervada, uh, on the show. So three brilliant digital transformation experts in healthcare. And bring your notepad. You're going to be taking a lot of notes next Friday. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is an action pack. We had them all at our Healthcare Transformation Summit. They were amazing. Uh, we're doing it again in December. Uh, it's going to be wild. Hey, thanks a lot, everyone. Have an awesome Friday. Have an awesome Canada Day since I'm in Toronto. And have an awesome Fourth of July week if we don't see you next week. So. See you, Ray. All right. Take Happy care. Bye-bye. Happy Canada.